I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune in every week at capegunworks.com and click on the Rapid Fire icon. And remember to like us and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. We don't do a very good job of pushing that, the importance of that, but it is extremely important to get people to like and subscribe us on social media for the simple reason is People won't see it otherwise. So when you like, subscribe, share, and comment, it pushes us up the evil algorithm that is trying to keep the good people down. It's trying to keep us down and uh, down to the bottom of the list here. And so we're happy you're joining us in whatever method that is. But if you go to any of our social media platforms, our handle is at Cape Gunworks on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Parlor, Twitch, Telegram. Get her, uh, get her, shut us down. That's right. Rumble and soon to be Truth Social. We are still waiting on our status at Truth Social. Maybe we'll get the approval pretty soon. But anyway, that is the way it works. So you like, subscribe, share, and all that good stuff. And comment. We love to see comments and we love to talk good, bad, or indifferent um, about whatever it is that you have to talk about. And if you want to join us live when we do this, the recording of this show, you can go ahead and go over to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and get signed up when we go live. So that's how to find us. We also have a weekly show segment on the Grace Curley Show on WRKO or on iHeartRadio Network, or just go to thegracecurleyshow.com. And you can listen to the segment we do there, which is called 2A Tuesday, every Tuesday between 2 and 3 p.m. And we take lots of phone calls from people uh, who are very confused about the Massachusetts gun law, but also we get some free state call-ins asking all kinds of questions about, you know, self-defense or uh, product and whatever. So uh, a lot of legal questions, some I'm able to answer, some I'm not. I I do punt on a lot of those because I don't play a good lawyer on TV, even though I uh, sometimes, you know, get asked a lot of legal questions. Um, If I really don't know the the answer, I I just punt to the professionals. So, but anyway, we're lucky to have you guys here and we're glad you're with us. And we love talking about guns and freedom and Second Amendment and self-defense. And that's where we focus this on. So we're happy to have you. And uh, lots of gun news out there every week, it seems. Um, I think what was amazing uh, this week was the uh, (laughs) hysteria, if you will, over the assault on live TV when Will Smith uh, tried to loosen Chris Rock's feelings at the Oscars and um, (laughs) 
the funniest part of that was if it wasn't for that, I would have had no idea the Oscars took place over the weekend. <clears throat> so I'm just not one of those guys that marks my calendar for the Oscars. Maybe I should because I guess some good TV breaks out once in a while. But I usually feel like it's these uh, elitist um, people that are very disconnected from society as a whole that love to stare down their nose and have this big group of people get together and pat each other on the back and say how wonderful they are and all their accomplishments and how great they are at what they do. And at the end of the day, I honestly, I have a soft spot in my heart for actors. I used to dabble with acting. My mother went to the Academy of Dramatic Arts and, you know, at one point I seriously considered maybe pursuing it and, and uh, But at the end of the day, I have way more respect for the guy who goes out and, you know, pulls wires or slings pipe or digs ditches and, you know, pours concrete and, uh, you know, works at the local electronic shop or the, um, the sandwich shop and makes sandwiches for people on a day-to-day basis and shows up and grinds and works hard every day fixes cars and you know uh hauls hay that that is like the heart of america the blue collar worker the even the white collar workers they work hard you know i'm in the process of refinancing my house and i i'm shocked that the loan officers like they have to talk about jumping through hoops i mean even before this show i'm trying to scan a document and send it and this is like the millionth document that they've asked for. And so there's, you know, all, all these people, The I call the underwriters the undertakers because I have a standing challenge and I know I'm rambling here. We'll get to some gun issues in a sec. But um, I, I talked to several banks who send our loan packages out to underwriters. And I'm like, have you ever met an underwriter? I'm like, yeah, all the time. I talk to them all the time. I'm like, oh, you talk to him on the phone, but have you ever met one? Like, I've never bumped into someone at a restaurant, a elevator, a theme park, or anywhere, sat on an airplane next to someone and talked business and said, what do you do? Oh, I'm an underwriter. Really? I have a feeling they don't really exist. There's some computer-generated program that just gets more complicated as time goes on. But I even ask bankers, like, have you ever physically, like, shaken hands with an underwriter? And they're like, now that you mention it, no, I haven't. Like, this is the loan officer. They've still never even met him. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, who are these people and where do they live? And what do they do, actually? And do they all live in a, a, you know, dark house up on a castle, like, you know, with lightning and no vegetation and smashed out windows or what? I mean, that's the impression I get from them. So I call them the undertaker. But anyway, I digress. That's just the world I live in right now. A lot of paperwork. And uh, <laughs> that's why my anthem is send lawyers, guns and money, because I, <laughs> I feel like I'm always, uh, you know, caught between a rock and a hard place with uh, banks and insurance companies and lawyers and everything else. But that's the business I chose to be in. So there you have it. That's the, the bad side of the business that I hate. The good side is being able to talk to you guys about guns and get the right gun in your hand and get you some good training and look at new products that come out and talk all about them. So 
anyway, uh, hopefully we'll continue to see the trend the, of constitutional carry wave go through. And I just read an article or saw a statement that it's back on the ticket here in um, Florida, which if you ask me, I can't believe Florida is not a constitutional carry state. It kind of reminds me of Texas when Texas was all of a sudden one day like, wait a minute, we're not a constitutional carry state. And everybody involved was like, we got to change that. And they did. And they did it really, really fast. So Florida, I feel, is in that position right now. And they have a pro-gun legislature, a pro-gun governor. And why isn't this done? And their session of Congress closed just recently. And now they have some special session of Congress uh, cropping back up to relook at um, this whole debate of constitutional carry. And I don't know why it's even a question in the minds of the gunshine state. I mean, they are known as the gunshine state. So get it done, DeSantis. Just get it done. And so I guess there was a couple of legislators that, you know, killed the bill last time because they said that they don't want to be known as they're already known as the gunshine state whether they know it or not but they they said it's a big tourist state and we don't want people to not come here because there could be people carrying a gun it's like well that's ridiculous there's tons of people carrying guns in florida and right now they just got to jump through hoops so let's bring it back to the way the founders intended so anyway We want to celebrate the two new broadcast networks, WBOB in Florida, Jacksonville, and KNST in Tucson, Arizona, by giving our listeners a special discount. For some strange reason, I am still offering this, but it's CGWMA at CapeGunWorks.com, and you will get a very special discount when you check out with that code CGWMA. So go ahead and do it. Take full advantage of us at the moment. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC-3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1 MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16 MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC-3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low-light shooting, and because the reticle is glass-etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target up to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC-3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC-3. 
Hey, Toby Leary here from Cape Gunworks. Excited about the change in season. One thing that hasn't changed is the commitment to our customers. Come in, meet our friendly staff, take a class, and get your gun license. We have a 15-lane indoor range, a huge pro shop with tons of guns, ammo, archery, and accessories. Shop at capegunworks.com or tune in to Rapid Fire, our talk show about all things guns, the Second Amendment, and self-defense. Go to capegunworks.com and give us a shot. self-defense and coming up a little later in the show we have don edwards from Greenline tactical joining us who is a firearms trainer who is one of the contributors to the personal defense network training tour who is going to be uh, uh joining us later on on the call so stay tuned for that and just to round out that discussion on constitutional carry there's a good article on bearing arms by uh tom knighton and uh it's basically talking about what I was saying, uh, that constitutional carry is not politics over safety. And uh, he says that America's relationship with guns will probably never be peaceful. But as a rash of new pro-gun laws spread across the country, some fear it could soon be legal in as many as 25 U.S. states uh, to carry a gun concealed without a permit. To gun control advocates and law enforcement, it's a dangerous new development in America's enduring, historic, highly politicized infatuation with personal firearms. To gun owners, supporters, it's a rational response to threats to the Second Amendment that forced law-abiding citizens to undergo police fingerprinting and background checks. So this is a little uh, segment that uh, has been out in the headlines in you know national news and uh, basically saying politics over safety. The pro-gun laws are giving Americans easier access to firearms. And um, he says, I got to interrupt here for a moment because that last paragraph is complete nutter, you know what. It's a response to regulation that requires us to ask permission before exercising a right explicitly spelled out in the Constitution, the right to keep and bear arms. And I've said long, uh, for a long time that we would never suffer any of our rights to be treated the way the Second Amendment has been treated. And people make this weird... Well, I, I get it why they do it, but they make this, they numb their conscience intellectually for a minute to say, because those other rights don't kill people or have the potential to kill people. But if you think about it, the First Amendment is the same as the Second or the Fourth or the Fifth Amendment. They are protections that were acknowledged by our founders as a basic human right. And when you take a basic human right and now all of a sudden you start to saddle it with encumbrances that are regulated and controlled by the government, you no longer are acknowledging the basic human right. Now you're saying that it's a, go- it's a right given by government, which nothing could be further from the truth as our founders so eloquently uh, penned in the Declaration of Independence. They weren't. They weren't uh, mistaken in the writing of that. They were simply acknowledging what 
is axiomatic to people who have had their finger on the pulse of civilization for thousands of years. And it was the first time a government actually risked their own demise by saying, if we don't, then this could happen. So really, they knew that by acknowledging this right, um, was given by God, not by man, then it empowers the people that you are there to govern, if you will. Um, but that's the beauty of the whole Declaration of Independence is it's the government of the people, for the people, by the people. It wasn't supposed to be two separate classes of society, the ruling class and then the, everybody else. It was supposed to be the the government of the people, for the people, by the people. So you send regular people to Washington, D.C. or to Beacon Hill or to wherever your Capitol building is in order to get work done for the people. And it ends up eliminating this career politician who is only there to line their own pockets and their family's pockets and to have, um, you know, power in a centralized way. So it's it's brilliant in its founding. The problem is we've slipped so far from it. And then what we do is once we've said, okay, these rights can be restricted or as the president likes to put, no right is absolute. So therefore it can be, uh, you know, it can be amended or it can be restricted or it can be infringed upon. Um, because you couldn't own a cannon after the Bill of Rights was written. Well, that's not true. And I remember seeing a meme. I, I think it was Firearms Policy Coalition that said um, that the, the private Navy guys are laughing at the thought of that. You know, I forget the exact wording of it. But, um, you know, right after the Declaration of Independence was written, there was entire private navies. There was, you know, fortresses of people and militias of people with guns and cannons and regiments and training and uh, storehouses of powder and uh, wads and, uh, you know, balls and bullets and everything else. And the 1776 long rifle was the assault weapon of that day. It wasn't, um, it wasn't some other weapon that, you know, they didn't regulate it down to, you know, the pistol or something and say, you can't have a long rifle because it can reach out and kill a government official at a distance. Well, that was the whole point. They had just sent the British back across the pond and the Brits had to go say, yep, we got our butts handed to us. And then all the founding fathers met and said, uh, yeah, we just want to make sure that uh, people can deer hunt with these guns or we could they can protect themselves at home or on their walk to church or whatever, which is an interesting thing. At one point, it was illegal to not have your rifle if you were walking to church on, on the Sabbath <laughs> and you were walking to church and you got caught without a rifle, you could be fined. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, that's a true story. I, th I can't remember if that was Massachusetts or Rhode Island, but anyway, the point is they didn't give us those rights or acknowledge those rights and guarantee the free exercise of those rights, uh, so that we could do those things. They did it to keep the government tyranny in check, which, tends to reemerge as 
government tyranny, as we've seen especially highlighted over the past couple of years. So um, anyway, check out that article on bearing arms. It's a good one. But, you know, I've long said that the um, the right to keep and bear arms has been treated like a second class right especially when you compare it to all other rights. There's no other right that anyone would suffer the same that they do with the Second Amendment. You, if you wanted to you know, speak at your local uh, you know, nursing home or school board, or uh, although this might be a, something on the horizon, the way they've been treating the school board hearings, um, but if you wanted to treat, uh, speak at your local graduation class or something like that, and you were gonna, you were put on the ticket that you'll be one of the speakers at, you know, the high school graduation at whatever town you live in, and you're a businessman or whatever, and then all of a sudden they say, but first you got to go to the local college and take a uh, a public speaking class. And we're going to tell you what the laws are around that, and we're going to highlight what you can and can't say, and we're going to tell you certain things you can and can't do with that. Oh, by the way, there's a fee for this class of $125, and then when you're done, you'll be given a certificate of completion that you've successfully completed the class in public speaking. Then you can go down to the local PD and see the chief down there and submit the certificate with an application, and you'll put some character references there, and you'll get fingerprinted, and you'll get photographed. And you'll submit another $100, and then we'll do an extensive background check on you through the state and through the local uh, police department, and we'll see what comes comes up. And if you have any nonviolent felonies or some sort of uh, misdemeanor that you're able to serve over two or two and a half years in jail, then you're not going to be able to get the special permit to speak at the college. And so after spending the 250 bucks it costs to get there and you've got fingerprinted, photographed and and background checked by three different agencies and waited two or three months for your special permit to speak at the local college comes back all to be told, no, sorry, you're not going to get it. There would have been a revolution a long time ago if they treated all of the enumerated rights to the same extent that they treat the Second Amendment. And, you know, you guys might be saying, oh, but Toby, uh, that doesn't count because reasonable people can see that you could possibly kill somebody with your gun where you're not going to kill anyone with your speech. And it's like, well, okay, but we have less of a burden for just as dangerous of items that people can use and do use for mayhem and murder out there. And those aren't even an enumerated right. They are just a privilege to you to uh, partake in. And uh, so, you know, whatever it is, whether it's kitchen knives that you can buy through the mail or whether it's a, a car that you can rent from a local rental agency or a driver's license that you can get or a car that you put on the road or a hammer that you can buy at the local hardware store, baseball bag that you can buy from the local sporting goods store. These are all things, tools or implements that can be used for good the way they're intended or can be used for harm and are and oftentimes are used in crime more often than firearms. And that's the dirty little secret that people don't like to talk about. If you really cared about saving one more life, just one more what you know we we will we will you know if it saves just one life it's worth it you hear all this rhetoric but you don't hold that standard to any other standard in in your life because it's intellectually dishonest 
the way you do that. So you'd be in all backyard swimming pools if that was the case, because there's drownings that take place every year in them. But I digress. This is Rapid Fire. We want to thank you for listening. If you use the code CGWMA at CapeGunWorks.com, you will get a special discount on your online order. Go to CapeGunWorks.com and use CGWMA. We want to thank the new listeners with a very special discount. We will be right back. I'm Toby Leary. Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, and we are glad you are here. And we will be uh, having Don Edwards on in the next segment segment from the uh, Green Line Tactical, so you want to make sure you stand by for that. He's going to give us an update on the training tour. And before we get to him, I'm going to get to some of your questions. I got a lot of comments today on the, uh, on the 3D printing project we've had going, so I... I was having so much success with the 3D printer that I was like, man, I need another one. So I bought another one. And uh, the second one was a little upgraded version. I paid more than double what I paid for the first one. And so I was like, you know, the problem is when it's out there printing, 
I can't be prototyping. I want to prototype while that thing is working. So I got the second one for prototyping. And this week has been a total cluster bomb with the uh, 3D printing. So I guess I was on beginner's luck. And the first printer I had was doing such a great job. And then I got some new PLA plus, which is the the spool of filament that you use. And it started off great, was printing great. And now the the roll has these like snags in it, like the... It's almost like a picture, like a fishing reel that gets wound and spooled, but it gets tight and it's like the the filament crosses over. So you got to kind of like unspool it a little bit and yank it out. But when it goes overnight, if it kind of hits that snag, it stops printing because it can't feed the, the thing. So that one's doing that. And then the new one I haven't basically had a successful print yet with because it's not getting good bed adhesion. I've tried changing the bed temperature, the flow rate, the layer height, the blah, blah, blah. Put some Aquanet hairspray on it. Tried clearing, cleaning it with denatured alcohol. And no matter what I do, we get a bird's nest, an absolute bird's nest of material. So it's cracking me up. I can't figure it up. And so a lot of people, we got like some serious tech support in the in the chat line here, which is great. And um, I have been having some fun with it, uh, but... It's it's also very, very frustrating to um, try and get that done. So I haven't tackled anything like a 3D printed frame yet or a gun frame yet, which is completely legal to do in Massachusetts here. Surprise, surprise. But I know a lot of states have it on the docket to try to ban it and make ghost guns illegal and blah, blah, blah. And we just took in this collection of guns. I got a bunch of flintlocks and... Uh, wheel lock not a wheel lock i got a flint lock and a cap and ball type pistol and a uh, couple of um you know muzzle loaders from the late 1800s early 1800s one from the late 1700s and just post revolutionary war and i'm looking at it and it's got a couple markings on it beautifully crafted rifle it's really nice gun and it occurred to me that in my hands and I said this to the people I was buying it off. I said, this is a ghost gun. And they looked at me really funny. They're like, what? And I'm like, this is a ghost gun because it doesn't have a serial number. The government didn't know about it being built in some private citizen with really good quality craftsmanship was able to put this gun together, make it shoot and actually used it for defensive purposes because it did have a couple stamps on it that showed it was like a u.s regiment you know style gun probably from massachusetts i think it was made in vermont um but i was cracking up like there's zero uh zero government involvement or knowledge of the presence of that gun back in the day and i'm like all guns were ghost guns up until probably the I don't know, maybe the Gun Control Act, um, but they only required serial numbers even be put on guns in, I think, the 50s. So it was, you know, the proliferation of guns was not the problem. Just like, you know, even after they started tracking guns by serial number and make and model and everything else um, and the manufacturer of them. Uh, privately made guns were still a thing up until uh, right now, the, this present, present day. And now with technology, 
the government gets all weirded out about it and worried about it. And it's like, well, criminals could be building guns in their basement. Yep, they always have and always could have. And because a criminal can do it doesn't disqualify a responsible person like myself from doing it. It just means that you're going to have to arrest the criminal and put him away so that he can't get out and continue to make guns for nefarious purposes or steal them or buy them on the black market or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with privately made firearms. And so I haven't got into that with the 3D printer yet, but I would like to and we'll see how it goes. Kegel wants to know if in Massachusetts it's okay to put new followers in a pre-banned mag. And absolutely, you can rebuild the whole mag you want. Um, just, you know, you can have a uh, new spring, new follower, new base plate. New, you know, I put in a lot of the pre-bands we get, we put new Magpul anti-tilt followers in them. We put the Ranger plates on them. Sometimes we have to replace the springs. Uh, but yeah, the magazine's the magazine. So not a problem at all. You can put all the new guts inside. In fact, I just secured the purchase of a pretty good amount of pre-band mags, AR-15 mags, and um, they will be um, they will be all put together with Magpul components. So I'm um, looking forward to that. So hopefully we'll have them pretty soon, but you never know. I'm also getting a lot of people who are... Uh, interested in our fixed mag lowers that we have coming out we're about halfway into the build on those and so uh a couple people are saying hey can we prepay and get a discount and that's probably something i'll do they're probably going to be around 199 when they all come out and jeff's saying take my money 175 for us prepaying and yeah we'll do that i'll talk to the guys um about coming up with a skew uh in the system for a prepay on that but I don't want to walk, I don't want to uh, let too much rope out to hang myself. I, I've already burped that they're coming and now people are trying to get them. And so <laughs> I do want to get them out there, uh, believe me. So we'll, we'll work on that soon. Um, and Olaf is asking about the best advice to build a 300 blackout SBR. Well, these are near and dear to my heart. If you're watching online, you might even see one of the uh, SBRs behind me over here. That's 300 blackout. That's the Q the honey badger um, that I have uh, for testing purposes here at Cape Cod Works because uh, no one can really buy it in this state. But it is a phenomenal gun, and I love the the 300 blackout round. I think it's a great round. It basically has the same rate of fire as the 5.56223, and you know as far as uh, your ability to shoot it at the same cadence, it doesn't significantly affect your ability to put rounds on rate on target. I can shoot it basically at the same speed as 5.56. And with the subsonics, you got a big, you know, 208 grain bullet or 200 grain bullet uh, with a lot of knockdown power if you get a good bullet design. So I'm a huge fan of the uh, 300 Blackout. And if you're going to build an SBR, I would go with probably a good quality upper lower set receiver set i'm not sure if you're in massachusetts or not but if you're not i would look at the spikes tactical um oh what is it the uh spikes tactical gen 2 billet that's the one i really like for the uh 300 blackout or for any build for that matter it'll work great it's a really rugged upper and lower and i would do a nice you know eight and a half inch 
because uh, you can go as short as you want with those. They all use, all 300 Blackout uses the piston length gas tube. So I'm sorry, the pistol length gas tube. So the barrel length is pretty irrelevant with those, unlike an AR-15, which has basically four different gas tube lengths. And they don't do good less than 10 and a half inches, in my opinion. They can, but they require a little bit of tank, tinkering. So um, I would I would try to go with those. If, if you can't get the Gen 2 billet, upper and lower get the uh santan tactical they're another one that's phenomenal the pillar bedded matched receiver set by santan tactical is a phenomenal set but any mil spec upper and lower would work good and i love uh you know free floating the barrel of course but um, you can make a very lightweight build or a really nice heavy duty build but if you go on sbr i would say go seven and a half eight inch barrel range somewhere there and uh you'll have a lot of fun with it so good luck with that olaf and um so duncan is dropping comments on you know some advice we could have for getting that second 3d printer to work for us and uh we gotta probably level the bed or something like that put more hairspray on it i don't know but i digress we'll we'll figure it out one of these days um and Herv wants to know if we can buy the Ruger LCP Max in 380 in Massachusetts. And survey says, sorry about that, but you can get the new uh, Ruger Max Pro in 9mm. So, yeah, boo-hoo. And for those of you listening in the free states, listening to those of us living behind the Iron Curtain here in uh, Maskanistan, where freedom was born and then died all in the oh, same location. Oh, my. Um, but you're like, what do you mean you can't own a Ruger LCP Max? That's ridiculous. And yeah, you're right. You would be 100% correct in your assessment of that. But that's what happens when tyrants take power. They say what you can and can't have. Even though the Heller decision and uh, Supreme Court has ruled that guns that are common and ordinary are the ones that the citizens have the right to keep and bear arms on. And under that strict definition of that, you know, M16s are common and ordinary, right? And, uh, you know, I like MP5s, I like MP7s and uh, HK416s, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Those are guns I should be able to have. If the government can have them, I should be able to have them because that's the whole intent of the founders. But here we are um, fighting for just the the right to even have the uh, a license to carry in our pocket. So, all right. Um, we got a bunch more uh, comments on 3D printing and CNC. And CNC is something I have dabbled with a little bit, not much. But what I'm really looking forward to getting into is laser engraving. I, I want to do that. That's kind of my next hobby horse I'll jump on. But everything in due time. I got enough balls in the air. When I put too many balls in the air, they all start hitting the ground. It's not a pretty sight. As those of, those of you around me know, uh, I tend to juggle a little too much. Um, <laughs> so uh, PS wants to know if the Jericho Baby Eagle is worth buying. I'm not a big fan of it. I've seen them a couple times. They're, in my opinion, old technology, um, big honking gun that claims to be small, but I wouldn't get one if it were me. Um, but, you know, everybody's got their 
their uh, little hobby horse that they like. And I know there's people out there that love them, but we're we're not. You know, we can't have them in Massachusetts anyway. But um, it's not something I would be looking forward to um, stocking the shelves with if I could sell them. Let's put it that way. Uh, so anyway, we do not have any pre-band for M14 mags, uh, mini 14 mags. Excuse me, Steve. I apologize for that. And uh, yeah, there you have that. Um, the pre-band mags will not be externally dated, so they are new old stock. They're all Bushmasters, or I'm sorry, they're all OK Industries. So is the 3X, 365X Max mask compliant? Kinda but we'll get into that later. Remember to use CGWMA at capegunworks.com to get the special discount on your web order. That's code CGWMA, and shh, it's just for the online and radio listeners. So don't tell everyone. CGWMA at Cape Gunworks. We've got a special guest. Don Edwards is next, so stand by. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Hey, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. These days you need to be able to protect your family and yourself. At Cape Gunworks, we have self-defense training and frequent firearm certification classes. Cape Gunworks has a modern indoor range and a huge pro shop so you can get properly equipped. Get your gun license and the training you need to keep you and your loved ones safe. Go to capegunworks.com to sign up for classes, shop online, or tune into Rapid Fire. Cape Gunworks, there has never been a better time to give us a shot. weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And speaking of self-defense, we have on the line with us today Don Edwards from Greenline Tactical. How are you today, Don? Good, man. It's good to, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. It's been a little while since I last saw you, and uh, we still keep threatening to have you up here to do one of your classes at Cape Gunworks, and we're definitely going to make that happen. But why don't you give everybody a... Uh, who Don Edwards is and what you're doing with the PDN training tour this year. All right. Well, uh, uh, big picture. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Don Edwards. I, uh, I own a training company called Greenline Tactical. Uh, personally, I'm a former military guy and firearms instructor, um, law enforcement trainer, um, been basically either carrying guns, pointing them at people or teaching people how to do that for, uh, about the last 30 years, uh, ranger, retired special forces guy, spent some time overseas, um, jack of all trades when it comes to the firearms world. I do some consulting for uh, a few different co- uh, companies that uh, manufacture either firearms or um, night vision. Um, just so happens that I um, ended up being some sort of subject matter expert in the night vision world. So if you end up at my website, 
that's what you're going to see a lot of. If you follow me already, if you know, that's uh, what I'm. Me and my guys are kind of known for. Um, PDN Tour. Um, this is the second, maybe third year, second year um, in a row that I know we uh, that I've been officially involved. The third year, um, the first time it was just kind of like you know on the fringes, but uh, glad to be back, and be part of it, and uh, so pretty much everything I'm doing until September is falls in line with the PDN tour and actually I'm I'm in a hotel room in Pennsylvania en route to New Hampshire to teach a night vision course this weekend and that's uh, my first official course that falls under the PDN tour this uh this season. Awesome. Well that sounds exciting. Uh the um you know I took the red dot pistol class with you when we were down there in, in Jacksonville mm-hmm. and I look forward to having you up to do that the the you know red dot pistol and the low light class that's another one of your specialties and uh that's that's exciting stuff more and more people are carrying red dot pistols and and putting weapons mounted lights on their guns and uh so where are some of your upcoming classes um like i said this weekend in uh up up this way in new hampshire um i'm all over the country man let me look here i've got i made myself some notes here um (laughs) Because I can't ever remember that stuff. Put me on the spot. That's all right. I did yeah, drop uh, um, your your GreenlineTactical dot com in the in the chat box too for those following yeah, on. GreenlineTactical dot com. I'll yeah. do that in a minute here. Let's see. In April, um, after this, I'm supposed to be in Lancaster, Kentucky, doing a low light, as you mentioned, carbine and pistol course. So that's two days cool. or nights, if you will. And uh, and then at the end of April, the same course in Stewart, Florida. I'll be out in Conway, Arkansas, doing a combat carbine course with our uh, our buddy Doug. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hosting me there, Doug Glenn. Nice. And uh, see a red dot pistol in Indiana in July, a designated marksman in Tennessee in July, more night fighters, lots of night fighter stuff in uh, Connecticut and Colorado, Texas. Um, and then... Uh, the last one of the season is going to be the, uh, and it's going to go on the uh, PDN tour calendar here real soon, is in uh, Exeter, California, hosted by another um, CFS PDN, or, uh, you know, friend, the uh, Exeter Gunslingers. That's excellent. Combat carbine. And there's a couple more in the works that might might be added in. To that. That's great. Well, uh, where can people find you if they want to sign up for one of your classes? Well, to sign up, all the information is uh, greenlinetactical.com is the website, and you can read all about me and uh, the guys that teach for me and all the classes and course descriptions. If you're into the Instagrams, it's Greenline Tactical, and uh, there's a Facebook page, also Greenline Tactical. So, awesome. So, well, thank you so much. easy for everybody. Yeah, thank you so much, Don, for being with us. We're going to drop your uh, access in the comments, and we'll, we'll t- check in with you again. Thanks so much. And uh, we're headed for a break, but before we do, you should head over to CapeGunWorks.com and use the special discount code CGWMA. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. 
Federal Punch Hollow Points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need Punch Defensive Ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal Punch Defensive Hollow Point Ammunition here at Cape Gunworks. Snap Safe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. Snap Safe, a modular safe with welded safe security. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. for taking time out of his busy training schedule to join us. He is a part of the PDN training tour. If you don't know what that is, go over to personaldefensenetwork.com and check out all the content that they have there. He is a contributor and he is also one of the uh, active instructors on the tour this year. I am also a uh, instructor in the same group of guys that he is with the ICE training company but there's a lot of contributors this year to the pdn training tour and we're actually going to have a stop here on the tour with rob pankis on uh april 28th and 29th for intuitive defensive shooting and unorthodox shooting positions two days of classes so if you want to join that you can go over to icetraining.us i'll put the i'll put that in the the uh comments section as well and those are two classes you don't want to miss. You can't take the second one unless you've taken the intuitive defensive shooting with any other instructor. So if you've done it with me or one of the other instructors here at Cape Gunworks or the DFS class, then you can take the unorthodox shooting positions class. So that is a fun class to take. It's a very physically demanding class. Um, you wouldn't think it is, but there's a lot of body work involved. Um, but you shoot in positions like you know sitting down kneeling standing uh lying on your side on your strong side lying on your weak side lying on your back lying on your stomach shooting up range shooting down range in both of those positions uh so it's you know he's shooting in the seated position on your on the ground shooting from a chair that represents maybe a car or something like that so there's a lot that goes into that class and you got to be kind of squared away on the basic presentation from the holster before you can go ahead and do all that uh you know in a live fire class so that's why there's a prerequisite to intuitive defensive shooting or defensive shooting fundamentals the dsf class that uscca offers so if you've taken either one of those or you can just do two days of classes and that's a good way to go because you have the muscle memory from the day before so you take the class on thursday uh, the intuitive defensive shooting and then go right into the unorthodox shooting positions class for a while there we were doing it in our shop here with alumni um, who had taken ids or dsf 
and we were doing like a Tuesday refresher skill builder and doing the unorthodox shooting positions. And it's a really fun class. And we were just doing it in one hour tranches. We were just basically, you know, jumping into, um, you know, we'd do seated position one week and then we'd do kneeling and sitting on your butt and laying down, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, it was, a, it was fun to do. And for a while there, uh, when I had the time to do it, we were doing it. Um, and I was kind of doing it as a private lesson for the alumni, but I would say there's no better way. It's kind of like, how do you learn a language? Well, the best way is through immersion, right? You go live with somebody in their country. You're going to pick it up a lot quicker than if I'm sitting here on my Walkman with my tape recorder saying, habla espanol, senor, you know, <laughs> and listening to it back. It's not going to happen as quickly. So when you take a full day class, you're going to be able to, um, you're going to be able to, you know, get the get the reps in necessary to be proficient or start to become a an expert in defensive pistol shooting. And so, I would highly recommend it. Um, so there you go. We are operating on some new equipment here, so it might sound a little different, but that's okay. We're going to work the bugs out and kinks out. So I apologize if if it's crackly or if I don't have my sweet sounding voice that I, that I normally do. I think you'll be, you know, we'll get to it. We'll tune it up later. But anyway, uh, let's see. We'll get back to your questions here. Uh, MSO says, if a relative that lives in New Hampshire leaves a gun to me in a will, will I be able to obtain it if it is not on the mass-approved weapons roster? Uh, I think if it's willed properly to you, then yes. I believe there is a way, and maybe we can get... uh, attorney Keith Langer who will join us next hour and we can maybe ask him that follow-up question but if it is willed properly to you um, then I believe it's your gun so it, I think there is a way so um, we'll, we'll figure that one out with him but I'm going to make a note to ask Keith about that um, Keith is our resident <laughs> law expert uh, and he has the daunting task of interpreting Massachusetts law, but he's a very good lawyer in many other respects as well. So um, there you go. Um, do we have the pinky rest for the SIG 360X, I'm uh, sorry, the 365XL mags? Been looking and can't find them. I don't have just the rest. I have the whole magazines with the rest, so I can ship you some of those if you want some. Uh, give us a call and we'll take care of you on that. And um, someone's asking about the fixed mag AR-15s, which again, anyone in a free state is going to be scratching their head right now, saying, what the heck is a fixed mag AR-15? Well, in banned states like California, Massachusetts, Maryland, New York, I think Connecticut, um, there might be one or two others that I'm forgetting, but maybe New Jersey, I don't know if they're allowed AR-15s in New Jersey or not, but the, the bottom line is, if the magazine can't come out of the gun, then it can't be considered an assault weapon, even if it's semi-automatic, even if it has a bayonet lug, even if it has a threaded barrel, even if it has one of those foldy thingies like a stock that folds to the side or it collapses or, you know, it has a pistol grip. Can you imagine a gun floating around the earth with a pistol grip, a bayonet lug, a flash hider, and a collapsible or folding stock? I mean... It makes me scared to go outside. But anyway, if the magazine doesn't detach from the gun, then it doesn't matter what features it has. It can look as evil and scary and daunting as 
you know, any assault weapon ever made. But it can't be considered an assault weapon because the mag is fixed. So that's how we are able to sell those guns in Massachusetts. So we're going to make them here at Cape Gunworks with our logo and our. They're going to be ours. We are a. Uh, we are a. Uh, Type 7 FFL, so we will be making those lowers. And so people are wanting to choose their serial numbers now and get me to sign the gun and all that good stuff. So we'll see how we go. Maybe I'll raffle a few off. That'll be fun. Or auction them off or give them away, I should say, because that would be a, you know, illegal gaming activity. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, this hour of the show is in the bag, but it goes on for another hour. So tune in at capegunworks.com. And click on the rapid fire icon or you can where you can join us and ask questions you can also see some extra bonus video at the end freedom will always be on the right side of history i'm toby leary so don't go away we will be back thanks for listening May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. 
May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, and the Second Amendment, sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune in each week to CapeGunWorks.com and click on Rapid Fire to join the conversation. We want your voice to be heard so you can type your question into the chat box if you're alerted when we go live. And remember to like us and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. At Cape Gunworks is the handle on all the usual big tech suspects, and it would be great if you would like, comment, subscribe, and share so that we can defeat the evil algorithms of big tech who are trying to keep the Second Amendment movement down. And, you know, it's funny, along the lines of keeping the Second Amendment movement down, I was commenting on a... uh, It was actually funny. It was just a compliment somebody had for our staff here at Cape Gunworks, the uh, retail location that we operate. And they were really impressed with some of the staff, how helpful they were and happy they were. And, you know, they didn't make someone feel stupid for not knowing everything about guns when they walked in the door. And I said to the staff that you think you're just doing your job and selling someone a gun or teaching them a class or offering some advice or selling them a, you know, pioneer protection, but really as good advocates of the second amendment and putting on a responsible face of gun ownership in America, a good being a good role model for others to follow. You're actually helping the second amendment cause more than, you know, it is a grassroots um, effort that is really just led by example. So people who are a good example in the Second Amendment, uh, you know, lifestyle, if you will, or way of life, are actually advocates for the Second Amendment better than any politician who gets behind a, po- a microphone or any, you know, guy behind a microphone on a podcast or a radio could be because they're a living, breathing example of guns in society by responsible people and people who are responsibly armed who aren't willing to become victims and who are willing to uh, be their own first responder and take personal responsibility for their own safety. And that is extremely empowering and powerful for the unarmed populace to see. They go, wow, this person's not a psycho. They're not some, you know, whatever, fill-in-the-blank stereotype They are actually people who are just like me and you. And that's how we expand the tent. That's how we uh, let more people into uh, exercising their Second Amendment right and welcoming them. And the last two years, that's the best thing that's come as a result of a horrible time in our country as far as the, you know, politics of it and and the whole 
tyrannical, uh, you know, however you want to look at it, but it, it's tyranny at its highest level of, you know, enactments of these procedures and, and you know, policies by government officials. But out of this has birthed 10 million, 12 million, 15 million new gun owners. And those people are learning the right way. They, they didn't grow up shooting guns. They didn't grow up owning guns. They didn't you know, they weren't around guns their whole life. Maybe some of them never even dreamed of owning a gun. And many of them walked into our store saying, hey, I never thought I'd own a gun, but how do I own a gun? And they're still not even 100% on board with it, but they're at least curious. And so how they're met at the door and what do they see? Is it a smiling face or is it someone with their arms crossed and, you know, kind of looking inconvenienced when they're asked a question or something like that? Those are the gun advocates that are spreading the good news of the Second Amendment throughout the country. And the more and more people that are responsible gun owners being armed is a much better thing for society. It's a much better example for our country than any law that could be enacted, than any, you know, influencer or public speaker or anybody saying things, right? It's like the lead by example. It's that servant type leadership where people are willing to say, hey, you never shot a gun. Hey, why don't you join me at the range this weekend? I'm going to take you shooting. And, you know, for the first time, you'll be able to shoot a gun and I'll show you the right way to do it. So you're not going to, you know, be in an unsafe situation. And those advocates are really the ones that are getting the job done and really uh, making the the explosion of new gun owners feel welcome under the 2A10. And, you know, all politics aside, we know that ultimately guns do filter down into political discussions and have to at some point. But for the most part, being welcoming to all Americans and whatever, you know, genre or social status or, um, you know, whatever background they come from, being able to say, hey, welcome aboard. You want a gun? I'm your person to show you how to do it and how to do it right. And uh, we even had someone very, you know, interestingly enough, uh, come in the shop that came in for a private archery lesson and uh, kind of stopped dead in their tracks when they saw some taxidermy around the shop. And they got really rattled and they said, look, I'm a I'm a vegan. I don't like this. And, uh, you know, I want my money back for the for the class. I I don't want to take a lesson from anyone who would shoot an animal. Okay, fair enough. Hey, we all got our we got all got our reasons for doing what we do and we all believe a certain way and we all feel a certain way and there's different strokes for different folks and I don't claim to have all the answers, so okay, no problem. I'll give you your money back and God bless you. I hope you have a good day and you know what, if you ever reconsider we're here for you. And they left, you know, kinda rattled, but then spoke to someone in the parking lot and were very, it, it turned into a very positive interaction. And they said, geez, you know, they didn't make me feel like I'm the op scouring of the earth uh, because of how I believed principally. And really, that's all I care about at the end of the day is I understand not everyone believes the way I believe. And 
at the end of the day, I want to help as many people who are interested in defending themselves with firearms or collecting or owning them because I can to, to get on board and whatever. That's cool. We can put aside all differences and unite around the common interest of the gun in whatever manner that is. Maybe you just believe people should have, you know, over under shotguns. But if that's your belief, that's fine with me. Let's talk about it. And we can at least have debate and understand that, uh, you know, my way isn't the only way out there. And you might believe very different things for different reasons. And we can at least have a civil discussion about that. And I hope that more people will continue to um, have that discussion and keep that lines of communication open and at least be welcoming to the new shooters that are potentially going to become very much Second Amendment advocates as time goes on. My, my fear, if you will, is of these 10 million new shooters, and I know this will happen to a certain extent, that you know when the roving bands of marauders and looters don't come to their neighborhood, in a few years things will return back to the status quo, that they come back in and, you know turn in their gun that they never shot and say, well, never happened, so I want to sell this. How much can I get for this slightly used gun or, or whatever, new in the box, never opened gun? And that would be a disappointment to me. I'd rather see them come aboard the Second Amendment owner, you know, gun advocate train. But anyway, if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, we have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies only classes and a new couples class on April 2nd. So you don't want to miss that. It's something you can do together and have a date night at CapeComerics.com. You're listening to Rapid Fire. We will be right back. Don't go away. I'm Toby Leary. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC-3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC-3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low-light shooting, and because the reticle is glass-etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target out to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC-3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC-3. Hey, Toby Leary here from Cape Gunworks, excited about the change in season. One thing that hasn't changed is the commitment to our customers. Come in, meet our friendly staff, 
Take a class and get your gun license. We have a 15-lane indoor range, a huge pro shop with tons of guns, ammo, archery, and accessories. Shop at capegunworks.com or tune in to Rapid Fire, our talk show about all things guns, the Second Amendment, and self-defense. Go to capegunworks.com and give us a shot. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and join us every week for the only show around. That's all things guns, freedom, and Second Amendment. So we are joined at this time with the attorney I spoke about before, Keith Langer. How are you today, Keith? I'm doing fine. How are things down on the Cape? They are great, and I appreciate you joining us as always. So um, I wanted to talk real quick about... um, something that keeps coming up on my radar screen, and I feel like I have a good handle on answering it, but as I mention often, I am no lawyer, and I don't play a good one on TV, so I'd rather defer to you, but we got a question last week uh, from Bob L. says, according to your video, a Mossberg Jerry Michelik 930 Pro is illegal, but it's sold in many mass shops. It's a semi-automatic shotgun that holds 10 rounds. And I commented that it has to be limited to five rounds. But I said, you know what? If it doesn't have a pistol grip and it doesn't have any other evil features, maybe I'm wrong. So let's ask Keith, ask the expert. So what do you think? Well, the problem is that the definition of a large capacity feeding device for a shotgun is the uh, five rounds. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not a pump, which might arguably be exempt. Right. Although the language is like all the other firearm statutes in Massachusetts, poorly written. Mm. But the uh, the Michelin shotgun is not even a pump. It's a semi-auto. Right. So that would seem to be limited to five rounds. Mm-hmm. And that was That's my interpretation. That. Yeah, that was my interpretation of it. And... Uh, I actually got the new one, the 940 JM Pro in stock, and we actually get the Canadian version for us here in Maskanistan, which it has the extended magazine tube, but it's limited to five rounds, and it's not just a plug inside that kind of falls out when you unscrew it. It's actually from the factory limited to five rounds, but it's still, they only, they wanted to probably streamline their manufacturing process so they still have the big long tube on it but you can still only jam five rounds in there so it's kind of uh anticlimactic if you ask me but uh it's it's outrageous in the first place anyway i mean it's obviously a competition size gun that would be very advantageous to somebody in competition to have more than five rounds when you know if you go to a free state competition they're all going to be running and gunning with these 12 round magazines i know you're you've been around the uh competition circuit and seen it a lot i'm sure in two and three gun competitions but um you know it's outrageous that we can't but uh it looks like for now that's that's the law of the land right well chapter 14121 which is definition says large capacity feeding device a fixed or detachable magazine drum Box, feed strip, or similar device. Feed strip, be serious. 
uh, capable of accepting or that can be readily converted to accept more than 10 rounds of ammunition or more than five shotgun shells. Hmm. There's nothing about pistol grip. There's nothing about semi-automatic. Hmm. So. Hmm. Well, I think in under the... That's not to say that people aren't going to use it anyway and probably nothing going on, but that's what the statute says. Right, yeah. I had one lawyer tell me he's never heard of anybody in Massachusetts being jammed up under the assault weapons ban for uh, shotguns um, in any way, shape, or form, but I don't know if that is true. He's just hadn't heard of it. He doesn't have ultimate knowledge of all the uh, stuff that goes on out there. But um, So for now, it sounds like I gave this guy the right advice. Obviously, um, there's certain things called mini-shells, too, which, you know, can if somebody was to design a shotgun that took five shots of two and three quarter or three inch shells, and then all of a sudden federal comes out with mini shells and the gun would feed them appropriately, uh, what happens then? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a moving target at that point, no pun intended. Well, the issue there is, first, why do you, why do you addressing the issue. Chances are there's something else that brought that to the radar. I mean, theoretically, every standard shotgun with its five-round magazine for two and three-quarter shells would suddenly become a large-capacity one by the use of the mini-shells. Right. And if you've got a gun chambered for three-inch magnums, does that mean it's large-capacity if you put two and three-quarters, let alone mini-shells in it? Hmm. So, the it's, it's like Bill Clinton's, well, it depends what the definition of is, is. <laughs> right. And what's really going to be the issue is, why are the police looking at your shotgun? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's you, obviously that's an issue at that point, because I get that, but more importantly from our perspective is being able to sell them in the first place. We want to make sure we're not putting someone in a, in a tight spot, so to speak. You know what I mean? We want to make sure we're selling them something that they can legally have. Also, we don't want to put ourselves in a tight spot. So that's really the premise of the question more so. What does the manufacturer state the capacity to be for the round indicated on the receiver? Hmm. If it takes five rounds or two and three quarter, or five rounds of three inch, then the gun as made was designed to use shells of that length and to provide that specific capacity for those shells. What you do with it afterwards is not the manufacturer's fault or yours. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good standard to live by, I would say. And uh, that is the way it was designed and anything you do to modify it is up to you. So... Well, that's that's uh, good advice as always, Keith. And um, what, we had one other thing that just trickled in, and I don't know if I can catch you off guard here, here and uh, you can opine on it, but we have somebody who has left a gun in a will from a family member, and it's not just like, you know, dad died up in New Hampshire and the mom wants to give it to the kid. It was actually left in a will naming him as the heir and it's a gun, I guess, that is not mass compliant. Um, 
and I assume he means a pistol, not some assault weapon, quote unquote, as Massachusetts definition of assault weapon. But um, let's just say, for instance, it's a pistol that doesn't isn't on the approved weapons roster. Is that something that 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 person, that heir of the family heirloom can inherit and take into Massachusetts or no? Well, most people don't understand what inherit actually means. Uh, if you are not specifically named in the will, you didn't inherit it. Right. If you are not an heir at law in a situation where the deceased foolishly did not leave a will, then you might have a claim to it. But for something like that, specific chattel, you generally need to be named. Hmm. So unless you were actually named or unless everything is coming to you as an heir at law when the the intestate uh, estate is probated, you're out of the box. None of this, oh, my granddad died and my grandmother the one who got in the house. No, that's not inheriting. Right. So if you are specifically named, then you are an express beneficiary and the firearm becomes yours by action of law once the estate is probated. Mm, So if you're legal in Massachusetts and you're not going to, you can go get it if something you're legal with the state you're in. I wouldn't try driving it home, but if the gun is legally yours, you just have to register it when you bring it back to Massachusetts. That's cool. It's not a sale. There is no seller. It's a registration. Right. Yep. Because you can't have it go through an FFL. Um, The personal representative can't ship it to an FFL for you to pick up because the FFL can't deliver it to you. Mm -hmm. It's not mass compliant. Right. It's one of those where you you have to go get it. Okay. And that's probably the only time you can actually take possession of a handgun across state lines uh, without going through an FFL, correct? Right, because it became yours by action of law uh, when the estate was probated. Right. Yep. So the, the transfer was through the through the estate uh, and the approval of the probate by the court. Yeah. And so do you recommend someone going up there, getting it, and physically mailing it to themselves, shipping it to themselves at that point? Well, you can't mail it. It has, it has to go through a commercial carrier. Post yeah, office will not let anybody mean, other than FFL mail it. Yeah. I mean, if you can't go out and get it yourself and bring it back, then box it up and ship it to yourself overnight yeah. express. Right, yeah. Cool. And have you heard of anyone, real quick, I know we got to go, but real quick, uh, have you heard of people putting their firearms in a trust for this purpose? Well, I get that question all the time, and it's, Trust in Massachusetts is worthless. Is it? Federal law represents trust as a legal entity that can own guns. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts does not, because Massachusetts requires a firearms license, and Massachusetts does not issue firearms licenses to trust. Yeah, but what if all the people that are named as responsible people in the trust have firearms licenses? Yeah, but the trust still doesn't own them, uh-huh. uh, except under under the federal aspect, yes. But 
in Massachusetts, the guns are going to be registered to a person, not yeah. a trust. Right. Got it. So the, the gun doesn't automatically transfer if the trustee that's named uh, dies and the a responsible person on that trust then doesn't just automatically own those guns. No. If the, if the so-called trustee or dies or the, the donor dies, then it still has to go through uh, as if it were under will because the trust under Massachusetts law Never own the guns. Got it. So the trust cannot convey them to the next beneficiary. Well, that's good to know. I got asked that question on the Grace Curley show last Tuesday, and I told them to call you, so <laughs> maybe they did. I don't know. But it's uh, it's one of those things that, you know, there's so many unknowns and so many. Uh, we had an attorney here in Massachusetts that was setting up gun trust and uh, for people to, you know, the NFA trust and et cetera, et cetera. But um, once he found out the rules and laws in Massachusetts, he said, well, never mind. <laughs> he said it's uh anyway. Well, how do people get a hold of you, Keith, if they w- want to reach out? Well, the best way is to go to the website, which is uh, kglangerlaw.com or call the office 508-384-8692. Great. Well, thanks again for all of your poignant observations of the Massachusetts law that we live in. So we'll see you next time. If you uh, want to sign up for that unorthodox shooting position course with Rob Pincus, this unique class will combine NLT cert pistols and introduce shooting uh, students and presenting shooting and presenting from the holster in a variety of plausible body positions and angles. So uh, go to capegunworks.com and click on the class to sign up. You'll need that prerequisite course, but we want to see you there. We'll be right back. I'm Toby Leary. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always...
stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Toby Leary, and this is your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. So we will be getting to your questions on this hour of the show. Um, This is flying by as usual. That's why we call it Rapid Fire. It's uh, (laughs) a... It goes by quickly, and uh, when you talk about things you're passionate about, time flies. So um, one of the things I was reading uh, this week was that the New Jersey carry case was just put on hold uh, pending the SCOTUS ruling. And we are still a few months away, probably two or three months away from actually getting the SCOTUS ruling on the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, the case challenging New York's uh, May issue carry laws and its requirement that residents demonstrate justifiable need uh, to bear arms before getting the state's permission to do so. So um, it's interesting that New Jersey has a case that was before the courts that they've basically just pumped the brakes on and said, we're going to stay this case until uh, the court's ruling. Otherwise, it's just kind of redundant. And I, I agree with that. Um, and it's all likely, there's a good likelihood that the uh, Supreme Court will rule favorably on the side of the Second Amendment and kind of dismiss all may issue states and make them shall issue. Uh, you never know. This this is going to be a this is a landmark ruling case. It could go well for us, which I think it will, based on the preliminary uh, hearing that they had or the reading of the case and all the expert witnesses that they had. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, New Jersey is in a holding pattern until that takes place. So uh, stand by for that. And uh, you never know. Uh, the other thing that's been in the news a lot lately is the forced reset triggers, the uh, so-called um, forced reset triggers. There's a couple of them out there uh, that are that are manufactured. And basically, it is a semi-automatic trigger, but based on the action of the gun, it forces uh, your finger forward, so it's not necessarily a single, it's still a single pull, fires one round, and then, you know, on reset, it forces your finger forward, uh, so it is definitely not the definition of machine gun, and I'm probably butchering the, the nuance of, of that. There's all kinds of video and all kinds of explanation and diagrams and pictures and sketches and patent applications that really detail the exact operation of that trigger. And the point is, it is a 100% legal trigger to own, except the ATF is trying to redefine machine gun. Again, like it was done with... 
uh, regulation for bump stocks. So now force reset trigger is under the under the radar or on the radar, I should say, and under the microscope of um, all the people who uh, work for this current administration that are in power to do so. Um, so you got the um, you know ATF has taken um, the one of the companies to task and you know really offer you know issued cease and desist but they aren't taking it lightly they are standing up to the tyrants and saying no what we're doing is nothing wrong and um and we you know we definitely meet the definition of semi-automatic based on the the regulations that are in place and the laws that are in place and uh so we are but the problem is the atf they're uh they have a special branch of the ATF that like does testing and comes up with definitions or whatever and, and basically says whether or not a gun is uh, meets those criteria or not. And the fact of the matter is uh, they said um, that they are machine guns, basically. And uh, it is a very slippery slope. Um, it is... You know, not a good situation to see that they want to be able to uh, change the definition of the law or change the regulation without any public notice, without any cause or justification. Uh, just they want to remove these force reset triggers. So um, they've put on notice all the all the companies that manufacture them. I know Big Daddy Unlimited, and uh, there's a couple other ones out there, but. Uh, the rare breed is the most common one. That one is the one that really has been fighting uh, and standing up to the tyrants. And I know internally there's also like a patent infringement lawsuit from rare breed to Big Daddy Unlimited. So, you know, there's some internal fighting there as well. I actually hope that they can work out some sort of licensing agreement so that they can pool the resources and combine their force to fight um, because it sounds to me on the surface, I don't know enough about the nuance of it, but um, it sounds to me like the Big Daddy Unlimited trigger is basically the rare breed trigger, and they did not give them any license, and rare breed is the one that has the patent, so I think they're suing them for patent infringement. And uh, But if you go Google it you know, and go on to any of the gun sites, you'll be able to see the uh, force reset trigger animation and see that it is in fact a uh, full function of the trigger. It's actually going forward and then back again. So uh, it's just, you know, it's done in a way that makes it so that you can shoot pretty fast. So ATF doesn't like that. And they took... Uh, took notice of the bump stocks obviously once uh, and I take Trump to task on this all the time that he uh, capitulated to the to the anti-gunners and the gun control people out there and and uh, but I think it was kind of a, a sacrificial lamb on the altar so that you know universal background checks or another assault weapons ban or something like that didn't even have the light of day but I still think they could have went the whole route that they went and said, yeah, it's not a machine gun. And it's going to happen anyway in the court system someday, but that just takes years and costs a lot of money, so it'd be better if it just never happens in the first place. The whole not one inch thing. And 
you know, I get the politics involved and sometimes it's very difficult to get nothing, you know, get some forward movement without some give and take in that whole system. And, you know, but obviously we're, we're definitely going to thump the counter and say, Hey, not one inch. Uh, and that is how I feel personally. I want to see our rights restored and people who think that bump stocks or force rest reset triggers or binary triggers are just novelty items. It doesn't matter. It is a free and fair use under the definition of the right to keep and bear arms and the whole gun control act and the NFA I feel is an illegal operation basically. Um, but you know, whatever, that's the way I feel about that. The, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives is a highly regulatory agency that is a bunch of people that serve at the will of whatever administration is in power and they wield great power to really make people live in fear and to you know punitively damage and potentially make responsible gun owners criminals with a minor change in the regulation so anyway i digress i said we'd, we'd get to your question so let's do that um Let's see. Uh, someone was asking if the binary trigger falls under the forced reset trigger, and and the answer to that is definitely no. The even the ATF has acknowledged that a binary trigger is much different than the uh, than the forced reset trigger. And for those of you listening who don't know the difference, is if you press the trigger, it fires a shot. When you release it, it fires another shot. If you're in binary mode on the on a binary trigger. So if you, you have three positions of your safety selector. So when you're on safe, it's safe. When you're on fire, it's regular semi-automatic and no, it doesn't go full semi-automatic. It goes to binary and binary means it shoots when you press the trigger and it shoots when you release the trigger. So that trigger is still performing, uh, one function, you know, for every trigger press, it's one round. So, because it has that binary option, you can shoot it very quickly by just moving your finger. So anyway, that's um, that's the way that works. So the binaries aren't under the cease and desist right now. And I never got the cease and desist letter because I never established an account with Rare Breed Triggers or Big Daddy Unlimited or any of those. So if anyone has bought um, you know binary triggers from us at Cape Gunworks, you don't have to worry about anything for now. Because um, it's not a, uh, it's not under their microscope for the moment. <laughs> but don't hold your breath. If they're successful in bringing down force reset triggers, I promise that binary triggers will be next. So anyway, Davey wants to know if a three to nine by forty is a good scope for deer at around fifty to seventy five yards using a three oh eight. I would say it's. Probably okay if you're hunting out on a stand. Um, I certainly have used a three to nine for many years for deer hunting on my muzzleloader and on my slug shotgun. So I do have an illuminated reticle though, so I can keep both eyes open on the lowest power setting if the deer is a little close and still be able to um, 
get them within the field of view that I have at 50 to 75 yards. So you certainly could make that happen. If you're not going to be shooting much further than 100, I would probably recommend like a two to seven power or a one to six power, something like that. Um, but if you're if you're stand hunting, you should be totally fine with a three to nine. So hopefully that answers your question. Take a private lesson. Get one-on-one instruction tailored to you. We have lessons for pistol, rifle, and shotgun, or test out different guns. Book one now at capegunworks.com slash privates. And we have archery, so with Dylan, the archery guru. So you don't want to miss that. So book one today. And we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Since 1949, family-owned and operated, legendary performance, this is Hornady. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. Federal punch hollow points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need punch defensive ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal Punch Defensive Hollow Point Ammunition here at Cape Gunworks. Snap Safe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. Snap Safe, a modular safe with welded safe security. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Toby Leary and join us every week for the only show around that's all things guns, freedom, second amendment and self-defense on the radio and uh, it's your weekly show and we're hoping you become a regular contributor and listener so we'd love to have you and before the break we were talking about the uh, rear breed trigger and the force reset trigger and so I actually was able to pull up the open letter um, from the ATF. So it says here um, in the body of the email that was sent to all uh, manufacturers and distributors and dealers and whatever, it says the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives recently examined some devices commonly known as forced reset triggers, FRTs, and has determined that some of them are firearms and machine guns as defined in the National Firearms Act and machine guns as defined in the Gun Control Act. These particular FRTs are being marketed as replacement triggers for AR-type firearms. Unlike traditional triggers and binary triggers, 
sometimes referred to generally as FRTs. The subject FRTs do not require shooters to pull and then subsequently release the trigger to fire a second shot. Instead, these FRTs utilize the firing cycle to eliminate the need for the shooter to release the trigger before a second shot is fired. By contrast, some aftermarket triggers have similar components but also incorporate a disconnector or similar feature to ensure that the trigger must be released before a second shot may be fired and may not be machine guns. So this uh, email that went out to dealers, etc., is interesting because they contradict themselves right in their the wording of it. It says <laughs> that forced reset trigger, the, the title proves that the the trigger has to move forward and it's saying that basically one pull of the trigger can fire multiple shots but that's not true because the reset of the trigger if you keep steady tension back even though your finger is being forced forward by the action of the gun it's when you let go of the trigger it stops shooting right so you know, you're technically moving the trigger backward many times just because you're pulling on it. And so the action of the gun is forcing the trigger forward. So, or the action of the trigger, if you will. And they have a good video on their website too, if you go check it out. So um, it's pretty funny how they're trying to parse the words of what defines a machine gun. When the machine gun um, here it is, the actual language under 26 U.S.C. 5845B and U.S. 18 Section 921A 23. As any weapon which shoots is designed to shoot or can readily be restored to shoot automatically more than one shot without manual reloading by a single function of the trigger. The term shall also include the frame or receiver or any other such weapon, any part designed and intently, intended solely and exclusively or combination of parts designed and intended for use in converting a weapon into a machine gun and any combination of parts from which a machine gun can be assembled if such parts are in the possession under the control of a person. <sighs> what is the difference between single and multiple actions of a trigger? Hmm. According to the ATF... Uh, we can't tell a difference. Don't forget to check out Date Night every Friday and Ladies Night Thursdays or try experience range experience packages. No gun licenses required, but scheduling ahead of time is recommended. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Hey, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. These days you need to be able to protect your family and yourself. At Cape Gunworks, we have self-defense training and frequent firearm certification classes. 
Cape Gunworks has a modern indoor range and a huge pro shop so you can get properly equipped. Get your gun license and the training you need to keep you and your loved ones safe. Go to capegunworks.com to sign up for classes, shop online, or tune into Rapid Fire. Cape Gunworks, there has never been a better time to give us a shot. Toby Leary, and we love talking about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, and we love it even more when you get involved and start asking questions or comments or, you know, stump the chump, whatever you want to do. Give us a call or type in on the chat box. So we will continue taking your questions now, and uh, let me see here. Uh... Thoughts on ATF and AR-15 pistol braces and what do they define as on mass compliant list? That's a good question, Josh. It is same thing as forced reset triggers. They're trying to redefine what a pistol brace is. And this is going to be like the third or fourth time they've redefined it if they are successful in doing that. Um, and what it, even though they've been issued letters from Congress saying, Knock it off, fellas. You can't keep taking a bite at the apple. You you say they are, they aren't, they are, they aren't. So what is that uh, hand right now is are they a stock or are they not? And ATF has ruled that they are not. But you can shoulder fire them, and it doesn't change the original intent of the of the the design of the of of the brace. So. Anyway, um, ATF has it in their sights. I think it's been backburnered a little bit. I think ghost guns, quote unquote, are the hottest topic issue before them right now, besides rare breed, you know, force reset triggers. Um, but they are still on the horizon. And my thought is, it is really proven how stupid the NFA branch of the ATF is. Not the people that work there, but the the fact that it exists. So you can't have a gun with a 15.9-inch barrel and call it a rifle. So now it's a pistol. Okay, then it can't have a stock. So we got a brace. We put the brace on or we put nothing on. And now all of a sudden it's okay. And but if I want to put a stock on it, now I got to register it with the feds and I got to pay a $200 tax. It's ridiculous. It's infringement as far as I'm concerned under the Second Amendment. And what they define as on the mass compliant list is there's no gun that has a pistol brace on the mass compliant list. In fact, any semi-automatic pistol weighing over 49 ounces that doesn't have a magwell that goes into the grip of the gun that has a shroud around the barrel, etc., 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 is considered an assault weapon under Massachusetts law and therefore would need to be pre-94. So if you have a Tech 9 or a you know Mac 11 or something like that, you'd have to get one that was made prior to September 13th, 1994. Or if it's an AR pistol, it's really no-go zone unless you're a law enforcement agent and you are exempt from the assault weapons ban, or as the attorney general likes to say, your rights are still intact 
as a law enforcement agent. But all of the rest of you serfs and peasants, turn in your guns. You can't have an AR pistol in the state. Unless it was manufactured prior to 94, or it was manufactured from a virgin stripped lower that was manufactured prior to 94, or if you made it with a fixed magazine, because the key definition to assault weapon is detachable magazine. So if you have a fixed 10-round magazine in the AR pistol, no problem, as long as it was originally manufactured, or it was manufactured by you from a stripped fixed mag lower. So there you go. I know it's clear as mud. And uh, uh, this is why we reserve these questions to the second hour. I spare the people in Jacksonville, Florida, in Tucson, Arizona, the utter nonsense that comes out of my mouth in this hour. So anyway, there you have that. Bob wants to know what the mass definition of large capacity is. And I think Keith read that on the air um, that any magazine that is capable of accepting 10 rounds or more in the case of a rifle or pistol in any magazine tube or feeding device that can hold more than five rounds in a shotgun buy a shotgun joe biden highly recommends it uh herv says if all of those never used guns really do come back to the gun shops what kind of discount can i expect to get on a few of them inquiring minds want to know um well we call those new old stock or used, never fired, used, unfired. And yeah, you can save some money. You know, if it's new in the box, sealed, you know, box, the guy never fired it, never took it to the range, you'll save some significant money. Um, so it's, you know, like a used car. You drive it off the lot, it's not worth as much as when it's sitting on the lot. So, uh, even while selling, I still have my eye on a couple of your used guns. All right, man. Well, I appreciate that, and I thank you that you continue to put your trust in Cape Gunworks, and I'm glad that we were able to sell some guns for you, Mike, really quickly. Um, Mike is commenting because he dropped the gun off last week for sale with us in our consignment, and it sold today already, so there you go. Um Hoping to make it down this Saturday for some range time. I highly recommend it, Pippins. It is range therapy is just great stress relief. I had a guy come in the other day, and he and his buddy were in the shop just looking around at guns. And I'm like, how are you guys doing? He goes, I'm doing real good. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, we just shot. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I, I know what you're saying, buddy. I, I got you. Uh, I'm w- right there with you. Maybe I need a little uh, some of that, too. I might have to go out after work and fire a few rounds. And I did last night, actually. I, You'll see my video on Instagram that kind of gets cut off because it was longer than a minute. But um, I did the uh, a quick op- unboxing of the new SIG 322 pistol. And I shot it, and I just put it in the rental fleet out on the on the floor of the rental room. So if you want to shoot the new 322, no, I can't sell it to you. And no, I have no idea when I can sell it to you. But if you want to see what you can't get here in Massachusetts, thank you to the tyrants that say no. Come on down to Cape Gunworks and rent it out. Uh, sorry if I didn't get to everybody's question, but... Um, Next time, I promise I will try to be better. 
about getting all your questions. Um, we have a special video, another edition of Toby Takes on the World, and I take on the new guy who talks a lot of smack. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Lucas, you got you got to look forward to that. So stay tuned. Even though the show ends here, it always goes on afterwards on CapeGunWorks.com. You can check out the past episodes and stay up to date. But keep up the good fight. Continue to be an advocate. Support your community and be a responsible gun owner. With all things, you know, like I say, as Americans, we can overcome. So God bless. I'm Toby Leary. We'll see you next time on Rapid Fire. Thank you.